Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of On The Reg. I'm your host, Reggie. We've got an exciting episode for you here today, featuring my friend, multi-talented creative professional, Joss N. Banks is blessing us on the mic, on the podcast, and uh, Joss has got gems to drop. It's, it's a productive and enlightening conversation. Joss will also be leading a webinar on vulnerability and being fearless happening on World Theater Day for STC. That's March 27th. And if you want to sign up, you can certainly do that. The link is in the description box. Well, without any further ado, um, let's get into it. Enjoy. Today, we have a very special guest here with us. It is Joss N. Banks. Hey, hey, hey. Round of applause. Woo. <laughs> um, so it's so good to have you on, on the show. And um, it's weird because, like, I feel like we've orbited, like, sort of, like, in the vicinity of each other. Like, I, I you know, it's camaraderie all the way around. But um, finally got you here, 100%. and I'm so excited. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, so it's actually a double special uh, interview because you'll be teaching a master class. Hey. Yeah. So that's that's super exciting. Um, the course is going to be on uh, being fearless, mm-hmm. vulnerability, and um, that's super enticing. Uh, we'll definitely get to talk about that a little bit more, but sure. first I wanted you to be able to just introduce yourself in your own words. Um, cause you know, you best. Awesome. I appreciate that. Of course. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, my name is Joss N. Banks. Uh, people often tell, like ask, what is it that I do? My profession. I like to just say artist because I feel like it is, it is the, if I had to pick one title to be an umbrella of all that I do and all that I am, it would be an artist. Um, I am an artist in every facet of the word. Um, And I try my best uh, to continue paving that way uh, for other people because I know that people are watching me and that they need that example. Um, Mm. And knowing that that it is okay to thrive in all that you are. Um, Because I've always been told that I needed to pick one avenue and that would be the only way that I'd find success when actually that's always been the exact opposite. So for me, that being a revelation, really a a testimony in my life, I've Mm. decided to make that the very thing that I um, look forward to um, teaching and implementing in uh, everything that I do. Um, I am from Chicago. Uh, I'm definitely an actor, singer, dancer, costume designer, a stylist makeup artist. I do a lot of things. Um, But yeah, I always like to call myself an artist at the end of the day, if I had to pick one word to sum up who I am. You know, and this, it's so interesting that you, you mentioned how uh, 
compartmentalizing how people say you got to pick a lane because that is very much how a lot of people operate in this industry, you know, just, oh, you got to be a jack of all trades. But um, what I found as a person of color is that oftentimes we have to fill in the blanks anyway, you know, fill in the gaps, you know, make it work. So whether that's, you know, us doing our own makeup on the way to a set, you know, like this is this is nothing new to us. We as creatives do this. And um, I just man, I, 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 too, have been told that I need to pick a lane. And that is not the way I personally operate. I'm very sporadic and um, I like to take in so much information. And I think it's very important that people realize that you don't have to be limited to um, one thing. If you really feel like you have the passion to do um whatever it is you do and you can find a way to tie it all together, then do it. Do it. Absolutely. Um, Because there is a lane for it. Uh, And a lot of times you don't fully know who who you are and all that you are until you start to uh, inhabit those spaces. Mm. Um, And, and I, I know that on my journey, I've grown so much and I've learned so much about myself through trial and error. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't take away any of those, uh, any of those uh, harsh times that I've had to go through because mm. they all got me to where I am currently. And I'm looking forward to to the bad times ahead. You know, like those are all character building moments, and um, and we just have to face that. Like life is not just sunshine and rainbows all the time. And true story. And honestly, if it was, I'd be quite bored. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just the truth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't look for happiness in everything. I've learned to find the beauty in 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 darkness, um, and that all around, really, um, because it it all becomes a part of my story and how I'm able to uh, relate to things and situations uh, and really tap into that in my storytelling. Mm. I love that so much, yeah. especially that's, that's not something that's really easy to do, you know, take in the good with the bad. It's easier said than done, I should say. Um, yeah, 100%. And I, again, as actors, we are ref- a reflection of uh, so many things. We are people that um, we reflect what's going on in our personal life and in the life around us and the communities mm-hmm. around us. And we contain so many, we're, we're really honestly just vessels. That's the simplest way to put it. And um, how can you be a vessel if you're not clear on, well, you know what, let me, let me stop because I almost said, how can you be a vessel if you're not clear on what you're feeling, but that's wrong. Like, you know, sometimes <laughs> we go through, sometimes we go through these experiences and we have no idea. I think about, you know, I'm a, I'm a, raised in the church, you know? So I'm thinking about Job and like just how that man lost everything, the story of Job and how he lost everything and how it was rewarded back after he had gone through all those trials and still had the, the care, concern, and the ability to not curse God or not curse what was happening to him. He just went yeah. through it. And I don't know if I, <laughs> if I have that, uh, that fortitude, you know, but <laughs> That's something to aspire to. Um, However, comma, I know that in order to aspire to that, you have to be willing to go through the struggle. And I'm not sure I'm ready for that. 
you have to you have to be ready to go through the struggle mm -hmm. and um i think a lot of that just comes with time and, and wisdom of knowing that like those times are ahead mm -hmm. you know um i i often uh times uh, tell people um to, to keep their eyes open for them not to be pessimist pessimistic in any way but um I have found it, in my life when it when blessings come raining down I always know to keep my eyes peeled because something not terrible will happen mm -hmm. but there were there's always gonna like there's always a hater in every room it's very much that. That's true. That's so true. You can have a week of <laughs> blessings, but but be prepared because come Friday, you might miss that bus. And it might throw you off. And you might yeah. have an attitude for the whole day. And then you have to think <laughs> back. Why? Why, now, why I just, am I mad? I just I paid my rent. Bonus, I got a raise, you know, like it, but like simple stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And 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 those are moments where I have to like laugh at myself because I get mm. so worked up on little trivial things like that. And it's really like, but you have to look at all of your blessings. <sighs> and so that's the reason, that's also the very reason why I feel like I, I welcome those, those situations and circumstances in my life because I know that they're going to come. It's, it's a part of it. You're not always going to have a sunshiny day. Yeah. That's, that is so true and so important. You know, um, mm -hmm. you really do have to to be bolstered by some of those challenging moments in order to know that you really um, pass the test and you're ready for the next thing. Because how can you, you can't be, you can be grateful for everything that you got, but sometimes you don't appreciate it until you start to um, go through experiences or situations where what you have is challenged. Mm -hmm. or what you need to get to the next is challenging. And um, yeah, I'm not trying to turn this into a, a, a Bible study lesson or anything like that, but well, I, okay, we could. <laughs> <laughs> right. that's, that's what we have to realize as well. <laughs> True. Listen, I'm just a vessel. I'm here mm -hmm. to, I'm here to be of service. That's why I'm here. Um, so I want to know more about your career and just like how you came into the realization of yourself as an artist. Like, tell me, tell me, I, I don't want to be like, tell me what you went through because it's so much more than that. But uh, tell me what first led you to this calling. Oh, of course. Um, I actually got into performing uh, the performing arts and theater while uh, in high school. And it, it took me until like my last two years of high school to even join because I was terrified of speaking publicly. I, um, I was going, I like had a speech therapist um, in high school that I was going to, uh, that helped me get over um, anxieties that came with speaking publicly. Mm. Uh, and I would have a, a, a bit of a stutter. I would just like freak out. Um, and so uh, that counselor actually knew that I liked singing because I was also in the gospel choir and the concert choir. And they told me that I should audition for the school's uh, musical. And so I did and I auditioned and I ended up getting one of the um, 
male leads and like that was a cool experience for me because it was my first time like mm. you know, in the theater um setting and I just uh, the bug got me and I fell in love with it and um like everyone in my school always thought that I was going to go to school to be a painter because I also paint and I draw um and so everybody thought that I was going to go to school to be you know a, a fine arts artist sure uh visual arts anything like that because I was always entering in some art festival and like placing too like I would always do well like come home with a medal yeah like whatever the case might be um but then I decided to go to school for theater because it was a thing that I didn't know much about and that scared me and I've always been a fan of doing the things that scare me Mm. The things that bring the the things that come easily to me um, are are comforting, and I don't like that place. And the minute that I start to feel too comfortable with things, I'm like, hmm, I need to take a class, or you know what I mean. Like, I feel like I'm starting to smell myself too much, so I'm like, okay, I need to. How do I elevate? Like, what's the next level? That's what I'm looking for. And so, um, I knew that like I should go to school to learn more about um, uh, theater, um, the history of it, um, because that was always one of my favorite subjects as well, like social studies and um, and history class. And like, it's funny how that like ties so well into acting. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't realize that growing up, like I, I loved history class and like learning about the past um and just studying studying history and that is so much a part of what I do uh as an actor and I just didn't think about that at all until like literally my adulthood and I'm like you know doing the research character research and Mm -hmm. um, also now as a costume designer looking up uh different styles and different decades it's it's so much a part of um of of the craft. So yeah, that's that's how I how I got involved in theater. Going to school was not great for me. I did not <laughs> I did not do well um, in college for uh for musical theater at all. Um but I also I also uh had a lot of racism against me and like racist experiences at school. I went to a small little private school in Southern Illinois. Everything that you're saying, I'm just like, wow, this was like pretty darn similar. Like, cause mm-hmm. I was into history as a kid, but I didn't necessarily, like, I was like, oh, archeology. span But like, where do you see yourself? Where do you see black archeologists at? Right. You know what I mean? Where do you see? <laughs> so I'm like, all of these careers that I'm thinking like could be interesting to me are not necessarily like, I don't see that. I don't see it on TV. I don't see it in books. I don't, Um, so it never really stuck with me, but I did remember in the sixth grade being like interested in the civil war and not from like the slavery aspect, but because I was just trying to figure out like how all of these stories and all of this conflict was coming together. And it was like, now I'm in my adulthood and like, of course, I work at the Abraham Lincoln Museum. So it's kind of weird that like this was something that I was like into. And now it's like, you know, a part of my everyday life. But, but 
the the preparation that came with learning all about the history and the culture and the sociology, how people interacted with each other. Um, you take all of that in when you create stories. Yeah. And, and that's so cool to me. That's so cool. Being a person of color and being an artist of color, you see life differently than people um, who happen to be white experience it. Oh, oh yes. And you're forced to see a lot of subtext and undertones and read between the lines and like really figure out all the messages and the the coded language in order to survive. Mm -hmm. But when you aren't like, when you aren't necessarily one of those people who want to talk around in code or, or beat around the bush, you're just trying to be an upfront person. That's difficult. You don't necessarily have like a way to backtrack. It becomes strenuous to just keep up the funk you know what i mean in order to um to make other people comfortable because that's essentially what you're doing you're just making other people comfortable Um, which is a history within itself correct i was having a conversation with a friend of mine about wanting to experience black stories for all the time that i've spent engaging in white perspectives and being an object in white gaze. And this isn't to make anybody feel bad. This is just the conditions of white supremacy. Let's just, I'm just going to lay it out there like that. This all comes from a place of love, but it's all from a place of honesty as well. Yeah. Being um, in these intersecting zones, I have the urgency or I feel the urgency to just focus on black art every now and again you know are really authentic stories that are nuanced and varying and um liberating mm-hmm. that's that's the the part that i really seek out is i feel i want if i don't feel like a story is going to free me somehow i don't think it's going to really service the community and i can't you know give into that yeah but um i say this all of this because all of these experiences have led you to the jobs that you've taken. You've done so many different types of theater. You know, like you said, you're, you're a costumer, you're an actor. Um, I'm sure, I feel like you've directed two a couple times, correct? I have. Okay. But, but for me, seeing stories that are like, okay, Lola and Kinky Boots and Ms. Black for President, I, these are narratives that like I never saw as a kid, you know, and I graduated high school from 2000 in 2009. Uh-huh. And that's like a, I knew gay people existed. I knew queer people existed. And I, I certainly knew that there were black queer people, but how many examples do you see? You know what I mean? And I tie all of that back to this point, how can you see, how can you be who you really want to be or how can you do what you really want to do if you don't see it? When you pick a role, just what goes through your mind? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, I jumped back and forth. <laughs> There's just like, I'm so, like, I'm so enthralled and I'm like listening to your story and I'm like, man, I relate to this. And then I'm like, okay, rain it in, Reggie. Oh no, I love it. <laughs> 
Um, but seriously though, how like what goes through your mind whenever you're you're selecting roles or you're you're checking out roles for auditions or you know? Um, uh, so I have to be completely honest. It wasn't always where where I am now. Um, like very early in my career, I was. I, there are definitely shows that like you know you you do and then you either don't put on your resume at all or. <laughs> Or you you put that thing on there just because you want to make it look longer. It's not a lie because you did it. You did it. You're just not necessarily just a placeholder until you get what it is you need. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So I I'm not gonna lie. I've done a I've done a bunch of shows that I didn't necessarily care to be in, and sure. uh, none of them were like really like lucrative, like. Like I wasn't like rolling in money or anything like that. It was just for the experience. And because I knew that I wanted to learn more about this storytelling and because um, I went to an institution that made me audition for things that I had no chance um, of getting cast in, like Little Women, the musical, I had to then, after I left school, um, get that experience mm. by by taking the jobs and the roles that I could while I could to build the experience for the resume. And also being a visual person, seeing how other people in our industry handled being in that spotlight. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to now being able to be in a position in my career where people are coming to me and and seeking me out for roles mm -hmm. be, because I now know how to be a leader. Come on. And, and I, I I do feel like that is a characteristic that I've always um had. Uh, I've always been a leader. Mm -hmm. In in every area of my life, I've never been I've never been one to just um, follow behind someone just because that's what they say or they are the cool kid and like this is the thing to do. That's never been uh, my motive. I've always found my own lane and figured it out, mm -hmm. but it it hasn't always been that way with theater, and people haven't always seen me. Mm. So now it feels weird to to be at this point where I am most authentically myself and in all of my blackness and all of my queerness and and I am now being celebrated. And I I now. love that for you. I love that. Yeah. It's but it's crazy. And, and you were saying earlier about how we need representation of of these 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 people and these characters mm -hmm. and that was literally the very thing for me growing up that scared me the most. Like, like I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would ever like get in drag. Lola was my first time in drag. Are you serious? Yeah. And it was also like that, that tour specifically was so like predestined and like, just like, serendipitous for me. Like it was, it was so like catered to Oh, this is like God made it so plain when I saw the audition posting. <laughs> it was like this is this is yours for you. 
this is for you, friend. You just have to make it do what you need to do to get to New York and audition. Um, and so, like, that's what I did. I, I was still uh, non-union at the time. Um, and when I auditioned for Kinky Boots, I was currently doing uh, the all-Black production of Jesus Christ Superstar that Michael Kilgore was in mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. well, um, and a bunch of other really, really beautiful souls. But um, that show was being highly celebrated. Um, and sold out uh, out in Aurora, Illinois, which is just far outside of the city. But people were traveling out to see it. I and, heard a lot about as it. They should have, because we were doing what we needed to do. <laughs> <laughs> but that contract was also hard for me. Um, because I was, I had just come out of doing the Scottsboro Boys, where like was was my first time auditioning for an equity show in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And having a role in my mind that I like, I was gunning after and then I booked it. And then I was like, oh, this is what this feels like. Like Mm -hmm. I can do this, it's attainable. And I was like, oh wow, like I love this feeling. Like, here we go, it's the Scottsboro Boys. Um, And that was a dream show of mine and I was just so happy to be able to do it. And then uh, I got cast in the role. that I that I wanted, and I was just like, yeah, let me live in this. And then my very next contract was Jesus Christ Superstar, and that was it. Was only hard for me. It was only hard for me because it was my first time being a swing, mm. and that was tough for me because I felt like I had already had. I mean, I had done two tours before that. They were shorter engagement tours, but, um, and they're also Mm non-union, but I I had been doing theater for a while. And, and in my mind, I, I was a little hurt that I was understudying people that didn't have quite a resume or like they didn't, their experiences were, were not, um, I don't know. I guess in my mind, I thought understudying you like you cast understudies, not because they are um, of lesser talent, but because you 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 see in them the same likeliness of who they are uh, covering. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. a big brother, little brother situation. And so and in you my felt mind, little was, brothered in this situation, I felt baby brothered. Because I wasn't even covering the leads of the show. I was covering all of the men in the ensemble. And so I, you know what I was saying about being a visual person. I wanted the opportunity to be able to understudy uh, one of the principal males. Like I was hoping to, like, you know, I, I didn't even want anything big. Like just being in the ensemble and like understudying Jesus or Judas or something like that. Just mm-hmm. because I wanted to be able to shadow that person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I ended up having to, I, what I ended up finding out with that contract is that I have a superpower that I didn't even know about. My brain can figure out how to cover nine different tracks. Wow. And do them. Because every week of that contract, I went on for a track that wasn't mine. And I was an on stage swing, which means that I was choreographed in everything. I was on stage every night. I did everything. I was just choreographed on the end so that if I had to go in for another role, there wouldn't be a hole in the picture. 
mm-hmm. but it was a very humbling experience. Um, and and there was there were there were situations within that um, cast where we had to replace some people, and I was trying to audition to like like see oh like maybe they'll let me, and they were like no no no, and it was it wasn't until the end that they told me the reason why I was cast that way is because they felt that I was the most well rounded, mm. and so as the as the performer being hired for that job, like yes you're grateful for the gig, but that's hard to hear that like. Oh, I showed up at the audition. I, I I did everything that I needed to do, but you saw me as the producer to be the person that will be most likely to save the day. And that was hard for mm. me to receive without that being said to me right. at the very beginning. Right. And you know what? It's funny because like I was thinking that as you were saying it, I was like, you know how incredible you have to be to be covering all of these people. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I did not know that that was a skill that I even had at the time. So it was something that I learned about myself. But I also did not know that about um, about swings because I hadn't been on Broadway. I hadn't worked in uh, a huge venue like that. Like the Paramount has like 5,000 seats or something. Yeah, it's like huge. It's a huge venue. So they have to have, you know, their casts are like 20 to like 28 people. Um, just on the stage. So like it is a, it's a big cast. And then they also hire, you know, covers and understudies and all of that. So like, mm. it's a huge company and that's just the people on stage performing, not to mention crew and, you mm. know, um, the orchestra and, and orchestra, sound. Yeah. yeah. Because they're also doing full orchestrations there. So it's just like, you know what I mean? Ooh. You have a 16 piece orchestra. It's like, that's a lot of people. Right. Um, so yeah, it was something. There was something that I I needed to receive and and to humble myself. Mm-hmm. But also, there was a lesson. Uh, there was a lesson there that I needed to know. Uh, I needed to to know another part of me, and and I didn't know that yet. And then my very next contract was um, Kinky, and I bring J- JCS up to talk about Kinky because it was definitely a thrill line uh, for me. I was literally in the car. Um, in, in a, like a carpool situation, literally squeezed in the back of a car, um, <laughs> <laughs> next to the window. There's like four of us in the back seat. Oh my we're gosh! All trying to get out to Aurora, mm-hmm. and you know, I see the posting for Kinky that they're going non-union. They're rehiring everybody, um, all the roles rather, oh. rather. Um, and I have been called in for Kinky and seen in New York probably three times. But um, this was like, I would make it to like the director, but then like, I wouldn't hear anything back. And so this time they had switched casting agencies. And I was like, uh, I don't know these new casting agents. So like, I need to go there just to also network and meet them so that right. they see my face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I reached out to my agent and I have a beautiful team of agents. They're all women. Um, and the agent that I'm about to speak about uh, in particular, doesn't work there anymore. But um, I reached out to my agent and she was like, yeah, I don't think you should go. Like, if they want to see you, they'll call you, yada, yada. And I was like, mm. yeah, girl, but 
This is a different agent. This is I don't I don't know them, so I can't just be like I have a rapport with the with the director. Like, let me be seen. Right. Also, this was an open call, so it's just like I have to get to this open call so that I can get to the final callbacks and all of that. Like you, there are levels to this, and you right. you seem to not understand me and, and what I'm going for. So. Um, so I end up signing up for signing up for that um, open call, and I bought a plane ticket while on my way to go do my show. And surely the next week, I got on that flight, went to New York, like mad early flight. Got there, rented out an audition room, changed clothes, warmed up, did what I needed to do. Wow. Um, I went in and I, we thank God for uh, Whitney Houston um, because yes. um, the legend, the legend. Yeah, there, um, there's a there's a moment in Kinky Boots uh, where there's like a little tribute uh, mm-hmm. and uh, to Whitney, just a little nod uh, to her because of style. Homing your heart is written in the mm-hmm. style of um, her song, and then they also costume designed her in a dress that's similar to one of her uh, dresses that she wore, I think, on the Grammys. And so I decided to sing a Whitney song for the audition because I was just like, this is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sung, I want to dance with somebody, but I sung it as a ballad. And that was just fun. And I, I love singing like, you know, songs that come on the radio because uh, I, I feel that aud- auditioners want uh, to sing with you. Like they they get excited, you know, and so uh, that was my game plan. I did that, and basically, at my um, open call, they were like, "Okay, um, I see that you're in Chicago. What's your schedule like?" Because I like to just forward you to final callbacks, and I was like, "Great, uh, if you can just let me know as soon as possible when those are. Like, I can make it happen." But I'm also doing a show. I'll figure that out. Right. Just hit me up. And so all of that ended up happening. And then, uh, you know, three rounds of callbacks for that. And then I ended up getting it. Yeah. That's incredible. I was so glad that um, I got to see you when you rolled through uh, Springfield, Springfield because it was, yeah. ah, it was so good. It was so good. It was so good. Thank was so you. Good. Um, and I, that was the second time I saw Kinky Boots. The first time was at, um, in St. Louis at, uh, oh gosh, what is that place? The Fox. And saw it with a bunch of friends, um, loved it for various reasons. Um, yeah. The music alone is just really incredible, but also like uh, the storyline just, you know, mm-hmm. it hits you in the feels. And I love a good, I love a good feel good story that is emotionally intelligent and honest oh but one other thing the the thing that i another portion of why i felt the job was for me i did not know this while auditioning but um like i said i'm an artist a visual Mm -hmm. artist like certain things just come naturally to me that way because they decided to go non-union with the tour i was then casted as the first lola that would not have a makeup artist on the road see so i had to take the class to learn how to beat my face. But again, I had never done drag before. Mm-hmm. But I figured that thing out. I and sure like, did. You look stunning. And, <laughs> yeah. Stunning. And I was so I was just so proud. Like I feel like that that's part of the reason why I shared so many pictures of different things that that we would go to because like that 
within itself was a process for me. Like, mm-hmm. I understand shapes and colors well, but I've never, like, beaten my face to look like a woman. Like, yeah. I've never, you know what I mean? And so, like, that was something that I, I thoroughly just enjoyed and it became a part of my process getting ready for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, at the top of the show, we meet Lola at at her show and then we we go backstage uh <laughs> and i always in my mind i thought of that as a through line i was like oh yeah this is just me getting ready for the show yep. literally getting mm-hmm. ready for the show and then i go out and i do my little number and then i go back to my dressing room and so like that thought process for me was just like it just became such a part of me and getting into the zone of the show and so i loved it um, but yeah, like I said, that that whole process was so like meant to be for me. It, it just makes me smile every time I think about it. During the show, there was such a glow about everyone on stage. It was really incredible because I, I love theater. I love taking in stories. I love seeing people perform because I always get something out of it. But mm. watching you and watching the gentleman who played Charlie and oh gosh, I can't remember Home and that day we name. had a study, Charlie. Yeah, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And like Baby Shine. Yep. Baby Shine. And I don't know if that was because, you know, he was close to his hometown and people were seeing him or what, but he shined. Mm-hmm. But so did, um, I, for, I don't, I forget the young woman's name, but she, <laughs> she sang like, I personally felt like Cindy Lauper was like right in her, <laughs> like right next to her. She was so cold. She was so cold. And this is what I it's love. About Sydney. Yeah, she played Lauren. Yes. Incredible. Incredible. Blew me away. Blew me Incredible. away. And everything that she did was full. Like you felt that energy like off of her, like just waves. Yeah. I was like, Didn't we were talking about that show and y'all specifically for weeks. Oh, that's so sweet. Weeks. Yeah. This so is like incredible. She's uh, she also voiced Peppa the Pig. Get get out. Okay. <laughs> Which is like, oh, oh, so you have money. Right. Cool, 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 cool. cool. <laughs> See, now yeah. all I can think of is this meme with Peppa the Pig saying, I'm calling the police. <laughs> yeah. I'm mad, but I love it. And love hanging it so up much. the phone. Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a key. I love it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of your um, non-acting stage roles. Like how, like, sure. okay, you know that you've done painting, but you also costume shows too. Like, I do. I do costume design. How does that, like, tell me about that process. Um, the costume designing did not start until, well, I didn't, I didn't know that that was going to be a a part of my journey. Let's just start there. I did not know that um, that was even going to be a thing for me. I kind of got into the costume design just because I was at Millican and I was like, hmm, I I feel like as an actor, it would be smart of me to find something else that I'm also interested in Mm -hmm. that is in the theater um, that I can do between gigs because I knew like, I probably won't always have a job. Um, I mean, but, but oh, but God. Because um, <laughs> that was a lie. 
I I was like, this is this is a smart thing to do. And I always tell my students that in the master class too, is that like you are an artist. So so find ways to be an artist, mm-hmm. find ways to uh create and uh and channel that energy and that emotion into other um uh, other uh, aspects of life. Mm-hmm. And so costume design became a thing for me because I really like sketching and I've always been a fan of fashion. So those two things just came together. And then like I was talking about earlier with history, um, it uh, it kind of just like all started to make sense while I was at school pursuing a, deg- a degree and performing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um but uh, that just became a thing for me. And uh, like, it was just like a light bulb turned on and it was like kind of natural. And so um, I, I took a w- literally one semester in, um, in design and costume design uh, before I left. Um, and that, that, was, that was where I really like got the most um, grief in terms of, um, racism and and mm. really like wow like this really um isn't isn't going to work for me so i figured i i needed to leave and i ended up leaving millican and um and going to go work at disney but i knew that i knew when i decided to withdraw that i was going to be fine because i every time i would leave leave school and go audition for something mm-hmm. i was always getting a call back for something or like and that told me that there is progress i i am heading in the right direction you know like i i may no one listen at school they were paying me dust but outside of that bubble you know i was getting the attention people were seeing me and they were trying to you know work with me and excited about the opportunity so i knew like i was going to be fine so i ended up doing the disney college program which was a great step toward adulthood for me um i, I did not get that in at, at, at millican um i just didn't i didn't feel independence at millican i still mm-hmm. felt like i was close enough to home and if i needed to call home and call my parents uh they'd be there but me moving to florida for i think i was there for like 9 months me moving to florida for that time and having to maintain a job uh taking classes mm. uh paying rent that was all like new to me, grocery shopping, uh, you know, getting to and from that gig uh, in time and, and keeping the job, which is also a thing. Like all of those experiences were new for me and helped me in terms of maturity and figuring out, oh, I can do this and I am an independent person. And I needed that at mm. that time more than I needed um just to go to school and learn about theater because I feel like I feel like with our with the craft of theater it's an ever-evolving thing Mm -hmm. you can't just read one textbook and just decide oh I am now an actor that is so true have to keep going you have to keep taking classes I'm I'm taking classes right now in film, I'm trying to learn more about film acting because I've I've I most of my um, 
resume is all theater. So I'm trying to, you know, learn more about the craft and, and, and it is exciting. And, um, you know, I, I did, I just finished one half of the semester and God is good. I've already booked. Um, yeah. That's incredible. I, and so, you know, I that that's a huge blessing. But like it's always been those signs that like God is telling me, like, oh, you're you're making the right choices, you're you're doing what you need to do, you're, you're on the right path. Sacrifice is not in vain. Mm. Everything is worth it. Um, and so I yeah, that's that's been my path with that. And and with costume design, um, right after Disney, I ended up submitting to Teen Vogue magazine because they had like this fashion uh, internship and Michael Kors was like the keynote speaker. It's like a week in New York. And I was just like, hmm, this would be cool to do. Um, so let me just apply. I did some sketches for it and then I got in. And I was like, oh, great. That's crazy. So, <laughs> wow. Now I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I have probably been home from Disney like maybe five or six months. And then I was um, I was off to New York because I was like, maybe it's fashion design for me. Like maybe I can be a fashion designer and an actor and like, you know, just like live in that world. Still trying to figure out me and who I am and like mm-hmm. learning all that I am and what I have to offer the world. Um, and so I went with it. I ended up finding out that fashion design is not the route that I wanted to go, but that experience within itself, I will never forget. And I learned so much about myself through, through that and in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I feel like a lot of costume designers, they know about the construction of costumes and like, you know, um, doing repairs to things so that, you know, it's it's easy for actors to get in and out of costumes and mm-hmm. quick rigging and all of that. And the history of uh, design, um, they know all of that. But fashion designers know more about um, the selling of, of these garments and mm-hmm. um, the textile work, literally building and creating the fabrics and mm-hmm. the prints mm-hmm. and all of that. And so, because I now have all of this knowledge, it's all tying into who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I love that I've, that I've remained open that way to receiving because it all comes out in my art. You're literally a sponge. Like you take in so much information and, and not just information, but like the situations and the environment, but like what I appreciate about it is that you've been, you seem to have the ability to distill it all. It's not just um, sitting and and waiting to be taken off a shelf, you know? And, And a lot of times when as creatives, we, put things in the back of our closets or whatever until it's time to brush it off and use it. But also in the, in the same vein, like you have to also let people know. And and so a lot of times Mm. we feel like we feel as artists that it is braggadocious or we are, um, trying too hard to sell ourselves Mm -hmm. when we we list all the various things that we do, but in the same breath, like, be ready and be good at that thing. Don't don't just have a list of things that you that you do, and you know you you say that you are a wig and and hair uh, designer, and all all that you know is 
you grew up at your mama's beauty shop. That's not, if you haven't touched it, what are you going to do with it, friend? Like you have to be, you have to be prepared when they ask about those things. 100%. Yeah. 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 Show and prove. This was episode two of season two of On The Reg podcast featuring me, Reggie. Um, Also featuring Joss and Banks. Um, I got to tell you, folks, I'm really enjoying this conversation. And uh, I hope you are, too, because there will be a second part later to come. Joss is teaching a masterclass called Be Fearless, Strength and Vulnerability with Joss Banks. And um, folks, you don't want to miss it. It's sure to be a productive and enlightening conversation for theater participants, actors, directors, and the like. Uh, Again, stick around for part two. I think you'll really enjoy the conversation and we're excited to... uh, delve a little bit more into the world of Joss and Banks. But until next time, peace.